and welcome to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast, where every week we explore different stories around water that include safe water projects, trends in the water space, and blue mind. We hope you enjoy listening, and now here's your host, Kevin Sofen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rethinking H2O podcast. Honored to be sitting in the official slow post <laughs> alongside legendary Wallace J. Nichols in the cabin here. Jay, how you doing, man? Good, really good. Really glad you're here to have a look uh, around on our coast and our redwoods, and it's really good. Always good to catch up with you. Yeah, you as well. So many of our listeners know that I talk about Blue Mind all the time and water is medicine, but from from you, the actual author and and someone the trailblazer himself, give me a little context about sort of in the very simple terms, what is Blue Mind? Well, in the simplest. For Blue Mind is just a, a term that refers to something that most of us are really familiar with, and that is the way we feel when we're near, in, on, or underwater, the calmness, the, the mindfulness, or the, the relaxing sense that we get from water. And we're familiar with it in a lot, in a lot of ways, from a lot of parts of our lives, a lot of experiences, but there wasn't really a a simple way of describing that feeling that I think is quite universal and spans all human history and all cultures. So came up with the, the phrase partly because I, I went looking for a book about this feeling and I found nothing. I found that part of the bookshelf sh- to be just sorely lacking. I wanted to get somebody else, a neuropsychologist perhaps, uh, to write about this topic so that we could use it in our work for waters and oceans and conservation. And I failed at that. And as a result, ended up writing this book called Blue Mind Myself that describes in way too many words, way too many pages. I recommend that you listen to this podcast rather than read the book because it'll save you a lot of time. But it's a you know 300-page book about this neurological response, this emotional response that we have to the sound of water, to seeing water, being in it, the taste of it. And even as we were just talking about earlier, just the, the, you know, the sense of virtual water, a piece of artwork that reminds you of a lake that you love or a piece of ocean or a river uh, that inspires you or even a song. That's what I call virtual water. And it takes you back there. That place we go mentally is called blue mind. Mm-hmm. So, I've read the book multiple times and haven't got tired of it yet. But I think one thing that I've really related with is the whole notion of water as medicine. Mm-hmm. Where there are times where every single human, no matter who you are, you have some level of those negative thoughts in your head. Mm-hmm. Where you wake up or you have some sort of question and you're down yourself. Or we have what I'd like you to touch on, red mind, with the connection to you know cell phones and stress mm-hmm. and whatnot. But maybe give me an example or two of sort of like, when you say water is medicine, what what does that mean? Give me a, a tangible example of somehow someone's used water as medicine. Yeah, so you mentioned red mind, which is another phrase that refers to this sort of anxious, distracted, worried, stressed, overstimulated mode that we most of us increasingly spend most of our time uh, in red mind mode urgencies and we're competitive and we're trying to win we're feeling you know threatened we're feeling worried about the world around us economics politics you name it media and if you only live in red mind you will burn out 
Red mind is extremely useful, extremely powerful. It's how we win. It's how we got to the moon. It's how we compete. It's how we get things done. It's how we reach our deadlines. Um, but if it's all you have, you will burn out. And we all have felt it and we all have seen it. So some of the more extreme examples, just think of the people in your life who are the most red-minded. Have they burnt out? What happened when they did? At the most extreme, you can look at an extreme trauma, repetitive trauma, things like post-traumatic stress, which we often associate with veterans and first responders, but many of us will experience some form of post-traumatic stress because of abuse, because of an accident, because of an extremely threatening situation. And so the research is becoming really clear that being near and on and underwater in whatever way works best for you can really help deal with post-traumatic stress. We're understanding that post-traumatic stress is an illness. It's an injury. Uh, it has a biological component. And so that we need to treat it, not just ignore it. And water is the some of the best medicine. And of course, you go to the doctor, you will be prescribed some sort of pill, maybe some sort of therapy. I'm not saying to ignore that. I'm saying supplement that with some blue mind. Whatever it seems that is like it's a knee-jerk reaction to be prescribed some type of drug, opioid, mm -hmm. marijuana, whatever it may be. And sometimes it's needed, but how does it, let's say, going to the water or being under the water, what's the, maybe the physical and, and sociological and even just like, um, you know, medical aspect mm -hmm. of how water can accomplish that same type of maybe attempt of curing PTSD or at least helping reduce some of the problems of it. Yeah. So when you just on a very basic level, when you step up to the water visually, auditorily, your, your field of view and the soundscape is simplified. So think of yourself standing on the beach, whatever beach you, you can conjure up and listening to the sound of the water. It might be a, a beach at a river. So the sound of the water is, is, is the water flowing by or the sound of the waves. Maybe a little bit of bird sound in there, maybe a distant boat, but it's a very simple soundscape. And then visually you're looking at the water and that's also very simple. It's, it's entertaining. It's interesting. It holds your attention but it doesn't make you work. And when you get your body in the water, assuming you want to be in the water, then you, you're not dealing with gravity. You're just floating. And so somatically, in terms of your body, visually and auditorily, you're given back a whole bunch of bandwidth, which allows you to relax in a, in a completely different way. When people do that, and whether it's surf therapy or flotation therapy or kayak fishing therapy, they say that night and the subsequent night, they sleep really well. Now, I'm, you've probably experienced that yourself. After a long day at the beach, it's just sort of exhausting in a really nice way. And after being in the water a lot. So there's the physical aspect to it. There's the exercise component. And we know that exercise is good for us. So we talk about blue mind and spending time moving your body over uh, the surface of the water. It encompasses mindfulness, exercise, aesthetics, all of these aspects. So it's not any one thing. It's a, it's a combination of things. There is also another component, which just kind of goes a lot deeper, which is we need water to survive. And the signal that you're near water tells your brain 
at the most fundamental level that you're okay. You're in the right place that there's water. And I've done this experiment in, in a group where, you know, speaking to a group and I say, okay, I've asked my team to close and lock all the doors and remove every drop of water from the room for the next three hours. And then I say, did you feel that? <laughs> did your mouth just get really dry? And you had a little feeling of like, you know, of shunting of whatever moisture uh, is available in your body. And everybody says yes. Even though you know that I didn't lock the doors and I didn't take your water bottle, you had that moment of, uh-oh, no water. And the reason is, is that if you don't have water for a week, you're dead. That's fundamental, very fundamental. There's just about nothing else other than oxygen that you can say that about, mm. right? I mean, obviously oxygen is much less, it's more of a matter of minutes rather than days. But, you know, you can go a long time without food. You can go a long time without friends. You can go a long time without a roof over your head. You can go a long time without an internet connection. You can go your whole life, in fact. <laughs> and without water, you're not going to get very far. So there's that component. Anything that signals that there's water available makes us feel good. So marketers have figured this out. They use water to sell everything from Subaru cars to obviously Nestle. Pharmaceutical companies use water in a lot of their marketing campaigns. Hollywood has figured it out. The many films that are all have water components from James Bond going to the water to kind of figure out how he's going to save the planet to the shape of water. The film Moonlight and just a whole range of films that utilize the, the evocative aspects of water. So that's really kind of what's going on where water is sort of equated with wellness unless of course the water is visually fouled or disturbing if it's the wrong color if you look at the water and it's in a strange color reddish orange that's not going to make you feel blue mind yeah and i think that that ties into the the water is life and i've heard that phrase water gives us life but water yeah. also gives us death and i thought that the the story when we were in flint really brought this together where mm -hmm. We look at, and I have sisters who have kids, and I look at them and their interaction during bath time. Mm -hmm. Arguably the most treasured moment of the day, mm -hmm. every single day of every week. And it's something that I see them take pictures, you know, and it's all the cute babies and mm -hmm. bubbles and ducks and all this, the wonderful nature of that. But when talking about that, access to water, and even especially, let's say, in Flint, for example, so what does that I mean? What is that like almost for someone or let's say as a time when you were to escape, you know, we look at, you say blue mind can be anything, whether it's the shower to washing your hands. But think when you put someone in that experiment of imagining not have, having that, like what does that do to you physiologically? Yeah. And, so if you're, if you associate water with red mind and your trauma is water related, whether it's the water coming out of your tap is deadly or the wave is coming over the, your roof or the floodwaters are coming into your home in various forms. Water can be traumatic. If water then becomes a source of stress and anxiety rather than a source of calmness and mindfulness and connected connection, that's a lot. That's a big loss. The example of Flint, Michigan, there's a whole generation of young people who will associate water with trauma, with that trauma, water with injustice. 
water with illness, water with death. And I think part of the healing for Flint, first and foremost, is getting the water system running so that the water is drinkable, right? Of course, the human health component. Then working with the people who have been hurt by the bad water. Then I think there's another big piece that really never discussed is the emotional component. So you need people to fall in love with water again so that they understand that for the rest of their lives, water is going to be a source of creativity, of relaxation, of health. And that is really important to rebuild that, to empower kids to learn to swim. And then after learning to swim, feel comfortable in a boat. And then you can explore the world. Because frankly, you know, the, the planet is mostly covered with water. Our country is scattered with lakes and rivers and creeks everywhere you go. We have two massive coastlines, three if you count the Gulf of Mexico as a third. And it's a shame to not be able to explore all of that water because it belongs to all of us. So mm-hmm. to empower young people with the confidence and the skill set to see water in this way, not just as an economic activity, right? not just as an ecologically important part of, of our lives, but as a source of mental and physical wellness. I think that that's really our message. Yeah. And uh, it's usually left out, frankly. I mean, the, the physical part, not so much, but the, the mental and emotional health part is rarely discussed. That's changing. And, and I think it's because of the work we've been doing uh, over the last decade to really hammer that, that point home. And I think that one, the point is hard to comprehend, but when you start to unravel these different stories of the water from the fact that our world is mostly covered by water, our body is mostly made of water, so much of our economic trade has to do with trading on the water. Water is the core economic input for the majority of the products we manufacture, water being as a source of medicine. I think there's, it's almost maybe overwhelming for some to maybe kind of comprehend, well, it's like, you know, well, I turn on my sink and water comes out and allows me to wash, but I don't really think about it. So I think what I look at Blue Mind and, and a lot of the messages you, you get, and then even within this podcast, is trying to get people just to rethink the way that they're approaching water on a daily basis, mm-hmm. whether that's how you consume it, whether it's how someone in Flint, Michigan or Tanzania has access to it, whether it's looking at how people with PTSD are using surf therapy to overcome some of their fears. Yeah. And I think that's sort of ultimately the conversation that yeah. is lacking, but I think with the important work that you're doing, and everyone blew mine, that's kind of the kind of movement we're trying Happen. to do. And it, imagine, you know, just, just play it forward. Imagine in a decade, if everyone understood Blue Mind, if everyone understood that water is medicine, parents, teachers, guides, health practitioners, what if they all just got it? It was just common knowledge. That would be absolutely transformative. And I, I think that one, one thing that helps people understand what we mean when we talk about water this way is to talk about music. And so if you take the title of my book, the subtitle, and substitute in the word music. So how does music make you happier, healthier, more connected, and better at what you do? You can think of a thousand ways. What's the song that makes you happy? What are the top 100 songs that make you smile and dance and you can't stop yourself? What are the songs that connect you? Connect you to your your childhood, connect you to the people you love, to connect you to your peak moments in your life, connect you to your, your team, 
What songs do you sing together as a family? Healthier? What is there? Can music make us healthier? Of course it can. It reduces our stress, and stress is implicated in sixty percent of diseases and disorders. Either causes or makes them worse. And then the last part: How does music make us better at what we do? Well, do you ever play a song to pump yourself up so that you could do your thing, whatever your thing is, better? Run faster, jump higher, score more baskets, or I used to just crank the the Led Zeppelin when I was doing calculus, and I swear it helped. So that is just like music. So just take now take the word music out and substitute water in. Can water do all of those things? Hell yeah. Have you experienced them? Probably. Do you understand the science? Well, maybe. Can we prioritize that sort of medicine? Yeah, we can do a lot better job. And so, what we've learned in this you know decade of of meetings and research is the science is in. The science is clear. There will be more research. It will all underline and bold and basically push us in the same direction. Now we need to focus on getting this knowledge the people who need it the most love it and, uh, and that's what we're doing for the next decade and so and then we've talked a lot about the water as medicine but what i think i'm intrigued about is the not only is water as medicine but water is motivation mm-hmm. and i think tying that to these different pillars and these different industries so let's say for example we're talking to someone in finance or someone in real estate or someone in the golf industry who is in one way or another, ink has a personal and kind of macro relationship to water. But how would we? How would you have a conversation or tell someone that's in in the real estate industry or like golf industry, like I said, and kind of maybe make them see how or give them some insight on how this could this type of thinking can make them better at what they do? Yeah. So first, you can talk about stress, and if if, if people are feeling too much stress and anxiety then their performance is, is hurt. Guarantee it. Nobody, I've never heard anybody say, I, I could use a little more stress because then I'll be a better person. Never. I don't know if you have, but it's not a common thing to think or say. I've never heard anybody say, I would love a little more red mind in my life. I really could, I really love, would love to burn out. And I haven't burnt out in a while. It'd be great. We don't say that. So pretty much everybody's walking around with too much red mind and not enough blue mind. So I like to ask people, what's your water? And then just listen. And they will tell you. And they will tell you the name of a pool. They will tell you the name of a river, a lake, a beach, a body of water that is near and dear to, to their heart. And then the next question is, when was the last time you were there? Has it been too long? Do you need to go? Is there, is there another option that's closer? Do it. And then, you know, get them on the road to prioritizing more of that blue mind in their life, whatever it is. And so I have my answer. You have your answer. Stunning uh, place to go with your friends and family that will be part of your life. Always has been. I have the same. If you don't have that, then find one. Find a, Find an answer. And then prioritize that. And the reality is you come back from these things we call vacation, so invigorated and recharged, especially if you have prioritized water time. The more time you spend in water during your break, your weekend, your week off, whatever it is, the more recharged you get and the better you are at what you do when you come back. So 
whoever you are, whatever you do, if, if you're in sales, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a creative person, if your life is built on your physicality and you need to be strong and focused, professional athletes use water therapy to calm their minds so they can come back and play a better game. Steph Curry famously floats at float tanks and the results are pretty good for him. Not to put it all on, on float tanks. Uh, the guy's got some serious uh, innate talent and a lot of hard work and practice. So that's, I would say, to anyone, anyone who wants to take their game to the next level, prioritize once a week. Find something related to water that you can do, and it will be good for your mind and your body, and that will improve whatever your game is, mm. for sure. I think some of those ingrained those daily or weekly habits of... I mean, obviously shower seems pretty commonplace, but of maybe being a little bit more mindful right. in the shower about how you feel before you get into it, how you feel after it. Um, let's say things we were talking about earlier, really simple things you can do around the house from having a picture of blue of water, mm-hmm. put, moving it around the house, mm-hmm. never letting it get mundane, maybe having some succulent in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, those little things that, whether it's in your own personal office space, whether it's your house, uh, what are these little different things that you can do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to mm-hmm. ultimately make you a better person? Yeah, I'd say you know, prioritize bath time. And a lot of people don't make time for their baths anymore. Just pick a time once a week, close the door, lock it, light a candle, whatever, you set the mood, mm-hmm. and just chill in the bathtub. Like if you want to bring bubbles, bring bubbles. If you need a rubber duck, bring a rubber duck. Mm-hmm. And just say, you know what? I'm unavailable for 45 minutes, keep that bath hot and just close your eyes, bring some music. And what is it about being fully submerged underwater that allows us to get to that next place? It's so being in the water is stimulating and relaxing at the same time. It supports us. It relaxes us because it's, you know, it simplifies, like I said, the, the auditory and the visual fields of view. But it also puts a little little pressure all around us. So people who have different kinds of, of anxiety disorders are often comforted by being hugged or wrapped tightly in a blanket and snug in bed. They make weighted blankets now that you can, a heavy blanket, this is literally a, a weighted blanket that you can put on yourself that makes you feel more relaxed and helps some people sleep. Water, Warm water does that to us. It puts us in that snug, warm blanket and engulfs us in, you know, I mean, some people always, you know, immediately go to the womb experience and that can sound a little far out, but really think about it. You spent nine months in a warm bath in the dark with nothing to do other than grow, which is a pretty big deal. And that will personal pod is called mom. And if you're sitting here listening right now, you spent nine months in your pod called mom, your little personal ocean, just like the rest of us, plus or minus, right? Most people, the average is 9.21 months. Some people are a little early, some are a little late. Nine months underwater in warm, you know, 98 degree water. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so chill, quiet, peaceful. And so when you get into a nice warm bath with, you know, nothing to do other than just hang out and be with your own thoughts, 
that's kind of what we're what we're talking about. It's it's the most safe, warm, nurturing place you've ever been. And to get a little bit of that in your life on a weekly basis, it's a damn good thing. And you know, I would say if you know if you've listened this far in the podcast, do some of these things we're talking about. When next time you get in the shower, don't put on the news and listen to it while you're in the shower. Don't worry about anything. Feel the way the water feels on the back of your neck. Just do it. And it sounds goofy, whatever. Just do it. Trust me. Take one full minute of your shower, close your eyes, and just feel the water on the back of your neck. Watch the dirt flow away. And just enjoy it. Mm. And then maybe you want to do that every time you take a shower and just say, this is my minute of just calm. And the when the water is beating on the back of your neck, it does something special that I won't get into, but it's, it's a really nice feeling. It's a little, little mini massage and just set you, you know, have that be your reset button. We all, and we all need that, those reset buttons, you know, you get, you get things coming your way throughout the day, especially with, you know, let's talk about the technology, you know, we'll be in the middle of a conversation and a text message comes in. I just got one that I told you about and, you know, the car that rear-ended me, their insurance isn't covering my repair. And it just like took me right out of here and took me to Redmind. Right out of a nice conversation, a dumb text message. And that happens to us all day, every day, year-round. You turn on the TV and somebody gives you information that you didn't ask for, other than turning the TV on, that stresses you out. Just the news in general. Messaging coming 24 seven, there's 500 ways to communicate with each other now, literally. And we don't really know where the off switch is anymore. No. And so if you don't have a place to get your blue mind on reliably daily, hopefully you're going to get overwhelmed and you're not going to be at your best. And so just from a pure personal health perspective, that's important. But then to be a member of a team, to be a member of a family, to be the member of a club, to be part of society, you want to be at your best there too. You want to play the game as a team member to the best of your abilities. You want to be able to give the most to others. So that goes from a me, a me perspective to a we perspective. And there's something about being by the water that gives us this feeling of awe and wonder. And that feeling transports us into a more empathetic place. When we feel awe, when we feel wonder, it shifts us from a me to a we perspective. So it's almost cliche, but people, they take their honeymoons by the, by the water because they're, they want to be in a we place. And so they go for the awe and the wonder for their honeymoon. They go for the awe and the wonder for memorial services. They go for the awe and the wonder when they're going on a romantic date. Mm. And so there's something about that awe and wonder that connects us to each other, that makes us think more about the other person. And, you know, Lord knows we need more empathy and compassion in the world. And if healthy water can be a path to that, in addition to all these other things we've been talking about, that's, that's excellent. That's, I was going to say that's awesome, but that's excellent too. So that's one of our goals. And if you wreck the ocean, if you wreck the lake, 
if you despoil the river, it doesn't give you awe. It gives you sadness. It gives you frustration. It gives you disgust. Those are different emotions. If you go to the river and it stinks and there's poop in it, literally, that gives you disgust. It doesn't give you awe and wonder. Yeah. It doesn't give you romance. Yeah. Uh, and then you don't want to go back there. When we clean up a river, it can bring that all back. And then it gets, it, it gives all of that emotional benefits uh, back to us in our community. So this is a very, I think it's a very different way of thinking about the true value of healthy waters and oceans that is long overdue. And if we, if we'd been approaching restoration and conservation and environmental health this way, starting 20 years ago, I think we'd be in a very different place. Well, it's never too late to start. Yeah, that's exactly right. So let's do it. I appreciate the trailblazing you've done. And, and I, and I continue to take uh, insight from that in terms of trying to continue to find that on wonder, kind of like the freakonomic sense of think like a freak, but really think like a kid um, and find that wonder and, making time for yourself. And I think that's, you know, if you can do that for yourself, you're going to be able to help a lot more people. Um, or if helping other people helps yourself, that's great too. Yeah. Well, our, our friend, Alexi Murdoch, who's a Scottish musician, wrote a song called Blue Mind. And the last line is, uh, remember when you were only a child, start to see with your blue mind. Don't be afraid of what you find. That's okay. really what it's all about. Um, so if people wanted to find out more about you or learn anything more about uh, the Blue Mind Movement, where would they do that? It's really pretty easy if you just go on Google and look up Blue Mind. Well, you'll find Alexi's song. If you, if you look up Blue Mind book, you'll find free chapters of the book. You'll find our online book clubs. If you want to buy it, audiobook or Kindle or hardcover, softcover, there's lots of ways to do that in your local bookstore. But really... There's so many people that are engaged in this conversation and uh, we welcome everyone to start using this language. I mean, our goal is to make this conversation common knowledge, meaning everyone, every human understands this. It's just sort of something you learn and you don't know where you learned it. Mm-hmm. And if we're successful, nobody gets credit. Everybody just knows this idea. It's just sort of part of the uh, basic you know, user's manual for being a human being. And everyone benefits. And everyone benefits, including the water and oceans. Well, thank you, Jay, for your time today. Bet. My pleasure. Look forward to the next one. Yes, there will be. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast. If you liked today's episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media at responsible and stay tuned for future episodes of the show. We'll see you next time on the rethinking H2O podcast.